0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Proverbs 30. <clears throat> about three weeks ago, I was reading through, well, I read through Proverbs just every day that I can. Today's the 10th, right? Well, if you were on that plan that I stay on and try to stay on each and every day, and I woke up this morning about 2.30, couldn't go back to sleep. Everything on my mind, and around 4:30, 4:45, I opened up to the tenth chapter of Proverbs. After I've done, went through my uh, the lesson I teach and and the Bible study, and then the sermon. But three weeks ago, I hit this ch- these three verses, and I I'll be honest with you, I don't think this applies to this church. I think that I I will not be preaching to anybody in here today, and and I don't get it. Uh, I've never preached a sermon that I knew for a fact that it wasn't going to hit nobody. That's weird, isn't it? Well, let's look at it. Chapter 30, beginning with verse 7. This is some wise sayings from Hagar. Oh, God, I beg you, two favors from me, for, from you for me, before I die. First, some say, well, I just don't believe that you ought to outline your messages. Well, he did. He said, number one, help me never to tell a lie. Number two, give me poverty, neither poverty nor poverty. Nor riches. You see, I, I really do believe that matters do matter when it comes to something as simple as this. And when I read that passage, it, it, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible like this, but these two verses, all of a sudden, just a, a illumination came, or three verses, just came off the, the chart. And I'm going, God, why do I have to preach on this? Because he said, I want you to. So, I'm just being faithful. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, I want you to look at that. You might wonder, why does this have anything to do with this? But it does. And it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently spoke of God's bringing the people of of Israel out of Egypt. He was so sure of it that he commanded them to carry his bones with him when he left. Now, I I assume, and that can get you in trouble, that you're here today and you have all things clear within you, and that if you were to die today, you have no regrets, you've lived your life. You're changed as Joe just sung about and you, you, you don't have an account open that needs to be closed or everything's cool. But what if I were to ask you this question? Do you have a wish before you die that you need to carry out? You see, Joseph knew that God put him in Egypt. Joseph knew that, that the father was going to deliver the people and take them to the Canaan, take them to the land of Canaan. He knew that, that God was coming. And so he said, "Look, if I die, don't you leave my bones in Egypt?" Some people say, "What do you believe about cremation, Mike?" Well, I've developed a lesser view of it, but cremation to me better never happen. Now, I know when I die, Cindy can do whatever she wants to do, and others have, and, but, but I don't want to be cremated. As a matter of fact, I want them to set me up beside the coffin. Don't lay me down that stupid thing. Set me beside it, let me lean and look at you. You know, the old country song, they lean me up next to the jukebox. Well, I just, just lean me up to the coffin and and let me just glance at you. It, It amazes me, Brad. You know, they go to these funerals and don't he look just like himself? Well, yeah, he looks like himself. It's him. We make some of the dumbest comments. You see, Joseph was worried about taking his bones to the land of Canaan. Why? Because he left a legacy of faith. What was that legacy? What is a legacy? It's anything handed down to you by your ancestors. It could be a prized possession, such as a watch or a piece of furniture, or it could be called a reputation. Don't you think that the way you live don't matter? Because it does. Proverbs 22, verse 1 and 2 says, A good man is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. When the rich and the poor meet together, the Lord is the maker of them all. Would you be more interested today in a name that is good or a life filled with gold? God isn't impressed with your wealth, and he's not depressed because you're poor. He made both of you. There was an old conversation going on between a little puppy and an old dog. And the little puppy looked at the old dog and said, I have mastered philosophy. I've learned the best thing for a dog is happiness, and that happiness is in my tail. Therefore, I'm chasing it, and when I catch it, I'll have it. The old dog looked at the young puppy, and he said, I too have judged happiness is a marvelous thing for a dog. And that happiness indeed resides in my tail. But I've noticed that when I chase it, it keeps running away from me. And I never catch it. But when I go about my own business, it follows me. You know what follows you and me? As surely as a tail follows a dog, your reputation. Is it good? When I die, now, I I don't know why I struggle with this. I just do. Every day I think about it. You may die today. Yeah. I answer myself. And I don't get any further into discussion. And my wife and I have talked about it. I said, what would you do when you die? Who's going to preach your funeral? I said, I don't believe anybody can. I said, what I want to do when I make sure that Joe and Christina are not going to have any more children and they haven't, anyway, I can't be sure of that right now. I'm going to go in my office and I'm going to, used to, I was going to get a VHS. So I got to stay current with this thing somehow because the other day I, I said, put my soundtrack, I mean, put my cassette tape in so I can sing. And they all looked at me like, you have lost your mind. Well, I could have said a track tape. That's what I had as a high school. Well, that predates me. But I want to be able to go in the office, and I think I could preach my funeral just fine as long as all my grandkids are there. Because if you leave one out, they'll never forget it. You know what I mean? I won't know everything, but I'll know a lot. You see. You're here today, and I know this message don't reply to you, and I know that that you are happy people, and you're full of joy, and you're full of Jesus, and you're full of love, and you're full of truth, and, and I don't know why in the world I'm having to preach on lying and money. I don't get it. Billy Graham looked at his wife, Ruth, and they were on the island in the Caribbean. And one of the wealthiest men asked them to have, lunch, uh, uh, have uh, lunch that day and when he sat down with this guy he began to cry he just couldn't keep from crying and finally the guy looked at him he said I want you to know Dr. Graham I am the most miserable man living why look out there look at look at my yacht I could go anywhere I want to go look at the airplanes I got look how many helicopters I've got and I'm as miserable as all the souls in hell Tried to win him to Christ of no avail. That, after, or that evening, they went to a small village. There was a pastor in a local village came to visit him, and he was an Englishman. And he was 75 years of age. He was a widower. He spent most of his free time taking care of his, of his sisters that were not of good health. And he was full of enthusiasm and joy and had blazing love for Jesus. And he looked at Billy Graham and said, you know, I don't have two pounds to my name. Now, when I first read that, I said, well, how much is a pound? Y'all know? Anybody know how much a pound is equal to American dollar? It's $1.29 according to Google. So he was saying, I don't have $2.60 to call my own. But he was so happy. And Billy Graham looked at Ruth and he said, which man do you think is the richer man? You see, Joseph was very concerned about the bones, but Edgar was, a, was a concerned about his behavior. And he says, oh, God, I beg of you, please, number one, before I die, never let me tell a lie. Now, some of you are here today, and you've, you need to make some wishes. I I I googled that a dying wish and somebody said, "Well, I wished I would have just lived the dreams of my life." How many of you not? Li- How many of you just miserable in the job you're in? How many of you have a dream but you don't want to pursue it because you're afraid? You see, I didn't wake up one day and dreaming that I wanted to be a pastor. But once God called me, it's a dream, and I'm living my dream. I have no regrets. I wouldn't do nothing else. Sometimes I want to, but I would. Some of you might say, well, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. Some of you might say, well, I wish I'd made more friends. Some of you might say, well, I just wished I'd told the people I love the most I love you more. Some of you may say, well, I just wish I'd have mended some broken relationships. Or maybe you... you, uh, Husband and wife say, "Well, I wish that I'd had more kids, or maybe you're like my baby sister. I just wish I could have a kid. I wish that I'd have saved more money for retirement. I wish that I'd taken time to smell the roses. Now, <clears throat> be careful when you smell that rose; there ain't a b- I mean, a bee in the rosebud. But I was a wise, a wise preacher told me one time, don't wait till you retire." to enjoy life. Miss Mabel you say this all the time. Mike, there's life after ministry. But smell the roses along the way. Somebody told me, a good close friend of mine when he retired, that fishing gets tiring after a while. And I don't think, I, I, in my mind right now, I don't say how in the world I'd ever get tired of fishing, but if that's all I ever had to do, I'd get tired of fishing. Especially if you don't catch nothing. Well, how many of you ever heard, seen the movie Liar, Liar? Raise your hand. Okay, then there's some of you lying. But anyway, Jim Carrey plays the part of Fletcher Reed, and, and he's a fast-talking attorney and an habitual Liar. He's always trying, uh, was, he's always lying to his son, Max, and Max got tired of him lying. And he said, I'll be there at your birthday, and, and he didn't show. And, and, and Max made a, when he blew the candles out, he made a wish. He said, I wish for 24 hours my daddy would tell the truth. And so that whole movie's built on that 24-hour period where he didn't, he, he tried to lie. And I know there ain't nobody in here lying, so I know y'all don't lie. I ain't preaching to you. But but he did. He lied. And so, every time he spoke the truth, whether it was in court or wherever, he told the truth. And even when he tried to lie, he had to tell the truth. Would anybody in here be affected if you had to tell the truth? Because you're living a lie. There's two people you can't lie to and get by with. You can't lie to yourself because you know what the truth is. And you can't lie to God. Because, see, when we try to lie, we're making God out to be some kind of fool that don't know what's going on in our lives. God knows. We've become, in America, a lying society. I was watching Fox News the other night, and my goodness, the one presidential candidate, I don't even have to name the person. They had five definite, one statement after another, lies. But you know what? We don't care anymore because we've become a lying society. We tell lies all the time. Now, I know y'all don't. Ain't nobody in here lies. I know that. But you see, I was a subcontractor one time. And I know I lied. To get a job, I'd say, I'll be there Monday. But I knew good and well, if I got there, it'd only be enough to tie the job up. And I'm go- I'd be another week. And I'd lie like a scalded dog to get that job. And we will use all kind of creative means by which to excuse our lying. You know what probably the most favorite lie of preachers and their wives Somebody calls the house, and you give slap out. You don't feel like talking. And so you step outside, and you say, okay, honey, tell them I'm on (laughs) land. That's a lie. Weak? (laughs) I know y'all don't do it, but subcontractors, I'm going to tell you something. You want to get me mad? You want to have the tyrant rage of Mike Franklin. Don't tell me you're going to be there and you don't show up. It's a lie. I used to do it, and I used to frustrate people. And you know what? It affects your business, too. Don't lie. Tell the truth. If you can't be there, tell them you ain't going to be there. Tell them why. Someone said that the problem could be summed up with lying with the former, three former presidents. One was George Washington. He could not tell a lie. Richard Nixon couldn't tell the truth. And Bill Clinton couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> and he's taught his wife well. I had to say that. Two out of three Americans now believe there's nothing wrong with telling a lie. Yes, there is. Now, I don't, I, I'm not preaching it, y'all, because I know y'all don't lie. I'm trying to say it loud enough that the people down the street will hear us. God expects us to deal with people no matter how difficult it is, no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how we might feel about it. If we have to lie, we are sinning. Preacher, if you lied, yep. I ain't proud of it either. And it's just as wrong when I lie as it is when anyone else lies. We're supposed to tell the truth. Now. Why should we tell the truth? Jack flipped one, number one up there. Because it, lying dishonors God. Look at Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord hates those who don't keep their word, but delights in those who do. One of the reasons that God hates lying is because to lying, it treats God as if he's a fool. I don't want to do that. Proverbs six nineteen or 16 through 19 says, there's six things, yea, seven, the Lord hates, Haughty eyes, and then number two, a lion tongue, and then he gives a long list of things, and then he says, a false witness who utters lies. Out of seven, five of them deal with the behavior of lying. He wants us to be honest. (laughs) Old man looking in the mirror. He looks at himself, and he says, oh, my goodness. Where did my body go? Two arms look like pencils. Muscles are just hanging. His chest had developed the Chester Drawers disease. Y'all know what that is? That's when your chest falls in your drawers. You have the stomach of three men. And you used to be a bodybuilder. Oh, it's going to happen to you. He turned to his wife and said, baby, tell me something positive. With a big smile on her face, she said, well, at least you ain't lost your eyesight. (laughs) The fact of it is, you can't lie to yourself. We is who we look at. And sometimes I see my hair turning gray, turning loose, turning south. Age spots, I'm going, this is not fair. Somebody's playing a joke on me. No, just getting older. We can sit and lie all we want to, but it ain't gonna change. It dishonors it dishonors God's and it deceives others. You see, Proverbs ten says, Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. When you lie, you inevitably cause trouble for other people. You cause resentment and mistrust and bitterness and anger. Two of the most vicious ways that you can lie is either to say something about something behind their back that's not true or we call that gossip or by saying something to their face about them that's not true. That would would never be said behind their back. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lion tongue hates those who crushes and a flattering mouth works ruin. Lying also destroys character. Proverbs 28, 23, The one quality that... We would want in all the friends of anybody in this world is the, is the quality of honesty. Look, I know that there are times I've gotten bit bad for being honest. And don't ask me to be honest if you don't want me to be honest. You know, there are a lot of people who ask for things they don't really want. In the end, people appreciate frankness, though, more than flattery. You see, John 8, 44 tells us that speaking of the devil, he's a liar and he's the father of all lies. And by the way, he's the one that initiated the first lie in Genesis 3 when God said, Adam, Eve, do not partake of that tree, of of the tree of good and evil. Don't do it. And what did Satan say? Oh, go ahead. He didn't mean it. He was the first liar. He's the founder of lies. He's the father of lies. He is a liar by fact. And let me tell you something. When you and I lie, we we are more like the devil than we are anybody in the whole Bible. Because that's who Satan is. He's a liar. Has it ever occurred to you today that the world's in a mess that, it, that it's in because of lies? Well, let's look at the second thing. Before I die, Hager said, help me never to live a lie. One deals with character the other deals with control he says secondly give me neither poverty nor riches give me uh, give me just enough to satisfy my needs for if i grow rich i might deny you and say who is the lord and if i'm too poor i'm i may steal and thus insult god's holy name i love ecclesiastes 5 when he weighs in 10 through 15 i didn't put this up for jack my fault But write it down, go home and read it. Listen to a couple of these verses. Verse 10, those who love money will never have enough. It's absurd absurd to think that wealth or money brings true happiness. Verse 11, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Verse 12, the rich are always worrying and seldom get a good night's sleep. Verse 15, people who live only for wealth end up in handed and empty hearted. There are some... Uh, false assumptions about money and I just want to throw, throw a few of them up one is money brings satisfaction for you see people who have a lot of money have back problems and they end up with all kind of issues back taxes back rent back ties back alimony back 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 we buy things we don't want with money we don't have to impress people we don't like We're not motivated by bumper stickers that say, I owe, I owe, so off the work I go. We like those that say, hit me, I want your money. Money doesn't bring satisfaction, never will. Money just simply does not satisfy. Now, some of you say, well, if I just had made enough money, I'd be content. No, you wouldn't. You'd want more. But the problem is our yearning power is always greater than our earning power. What does that mean? You just never get quite enough. I, I've, I've said it myself. Boy, if I could just... No, you won't. There's never a point that you'll ever be... Money will ever bring you satisfaction. Never, Unless you're learned, you've learned what, what Paul taught in Philippians 4, to be content, not in your money, but can be content in the master can in him. Money, second of all, solves all problems. No, it don't. Ecclesiastes 5 says as, I'm going to read that. I like to read it in this version. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what is the advantage of wealth? Except perhaps to watch it run through your fingers. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat a little or much, but the rich are always worrying and seldom get a good night's sleep. Isn't that weird? You would think that the more we have, the more peace we have, but that's not the way it's built. Expenses always keep up with the income. My wife and from 19, we married in 77, in 1978, We went to Bible college. You've heard the story. In 1982, I graduated. Well, those four years, we made a grand total of $6,000 a year. When we moved back up, we were living off of uh, Kirkland Road. And Centennial Baptist Church came available, and they called me as their pastor. I went from $6,000 to $11,000 a a year. I almost doubled. Some of you are going, Lord, mercy. It sounds like a lot to me. Because I almost doubled my income, but you know what? Then we got rid of our cars that didn't have no air conditioner. We upgraded and got one had one. Spent more gas, so your expenses will always keep up with your income. I don't care how much you make. This thing's gonna go out on the internet. I'd love to. Well, they're not. I love to use my brother. I love my brother, but golly. doesn't know how to, and some of us don't either, to live within our means. Some of you could make a million dollars a year, and you would think, if I made a million dollars a year, I guarantee you I'd be the happiest person walking. No, you'd be the most miserable. You don't have to be, but many are money calms the mind. The Bible says that the sleep of the hard worker, hard labor is sweet, but the rich man permits him, the the abundance of the rich man permits him no sleep. It brings somnia, somnia, insomnia. It brings worry. Wealth will bring, there are those who think that wealth brings security, but it don't. Wealth itself doesn't bring satisfaction, it doesn't bring security, it doesn't bring significance. Now, let me tell you what I, I've never seen this happen as a pastor. I don't believe there's one tear-stained step on any of this altar where anybody's come to pray, God, take away my wealth. Make me poor. Anybody pray that? Because maybe I'm missing something. You don't pray that. No, you want to listen to preachers who say, If you do this and you do that, all of a sudden, you're going to have a lot of money. I got news for you. There was a lot of God's people who were very wealthy, but there was the widow. I love the widow. She's my inspiration. She had nothing. But you know what she had? Integrity. She had honesty. And she lived just to bless God and let God bless her. And in a time she should have starved to death, God took care of her. You know what I pray for? I don't pray for a lot of money. May never get a lot of money, and it's not my goal. You know what I pray for? The widow's provision. Because you see, I'm like Ager. I don't want to necessarily have a lot and, and, and get messed up with it, and I don't want to be support so I robbed from you. But I want to be in the middle not in the middle of the wants, but in the middle of the needs. Look, I, I'm going to tell you what. If, I got, if, if God stopped with me right now, I, I've been so blessed it's just I get sick sometimes thinking about it. Just so blessed. You say, well, wouldn't you like to have something? Well, yeah, but I, I, it's not something that I have to have. Just don't have to have it. You know what I'm noticing today? Nobody has security in money, and you have a good reason not to. I told this illustration earlier in this early service because I believe it. I saw it with my own eyes. I used to go to Honduras. I mean, I used to go to Mexico once a year, and many of you went with me. And we used to we we saw the money change in Mexico. We used to get a five hundred peso, which was thirty three cents in Mexican money. And in Victoria, we stayed at this particular motel, and we'd go across the street and give them that 500 pesos, and they'd buy you a Coke. The only problem was you couldn't leave the store. It was 33 cents. As long as you drank it right there, they wanted the bottle back. If you left, you had to pay 33 cents for the bottle. Well, I wasn't going to do that. It's too tight. So I'd just sit in the store and look at the bugs run around drink my Coke and go on out. Overnight, I had all this money that I was going to plan to go back the next year. Overnight, it changed and went to, a, it went to pesos a different peso. People lost millions by one government change. America has got to do something. We're too deep in debt. Do you think I like thinking about this? No, I don't. That's when I sit down and say, oh, God, please give me the witness's permission," Because it could happen in America. We just don't want it to happen. We don't want to see our money devalued overnight because that means everything you got in the bank, everything that it's, if it did like Mexico, it's worth nothing. Do you know what's? posted on the back of a dollar bill. Anybody looked at it long enough to strong enough to see what will look at it and tell me. What's on the back of a dollar bill? Eagle. Some of you want to spiritualize that and say, Well, that's because we're a patriot. No. It's a bird that has wings. And the Bible tells us don't trust in your money because it can take wings and fly. What you thought you had, it can leave you. Just like that. A whole country overnight lost thousands and millions of dollars. It Wouldn't have mattered if you'd taken every bit of your money and put it in a can and buried it in. It wouldn't work nothing. They wouldn't do me that way. Really? Are you that naive? We got lying politicians, y'all. What makes you think they wouldn't do that? I hope they don't do that. (laughs) I don't want that to happen to me no more than you. A rich man learned that he was going to die in a few days. So, he called his three friends together, a doctor, a preacher, and a lawyer. And they called him to the bedside, and he said, you know what? I've heard that you can't take your wealth with you, but I'm going to do everything I can to beat that. So, guys, here it is. There's $10,000 in each envelope, and when I am lying in my coffin, would you please put that $10,000 in before they seal it? Because I'm taking it with me. Well, a short time later, all the guys got together, and they met together, and confession took place. The preacher said, I got to confess, our organ broke down at the church. We needed $2,000, and to be honest with you, I took $2,000 out of that $10,000 envelope, and so I didn't put it all in the coffin. The doctor said, well, I'm glad you said that. He said, because I took $5,000. I just started a new clinic, and man, we needed a lot of uh, supplies and facilities, and and I put the $5,000 in. The lawyer said, Well, my conscience is clear. I did what Bill said. I kept my envelope, picked up both of yours, dropped in a check for the whole amount for $30,000. Don't you dare worry about a thing. (laughs) Believe it or not, some of us would have figured that out. That's how we've gotten as a society. You know what? I was thinking about this that I didn't pretty much share this in the early service. When God reveals something in your life, and you know it ain't right, and for us to not deal with it, you know what that is? That's disobedience. When we say God, we're okay, that's a lie. We ain't okay. We're lying to ourselves. We're trying to lie to God. I want to tell you something. Sometimes we get ourselves in pickles. And sometimes we get in a situation where it seems like all we can do is lie. And before long, you'll tell one to cover the other one. And in your full-blown drama of lying. We can start today by admitting that we're not perfect and that sometimes we do lie. But Edgar said, you got to you got to start by saying, God, don't let me lie. Don't let me put a false god in my life, such as money. Don't don't let me dishonor God, because my reputation counts. It's a legacy that no one can buy for you and give you except your life. How will you be known when you die? Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed?